Welcome to Jonathan on Money, the personal finance podcast that brings you the latest insights and strategies to help you achieve your financial goals. I'm your host, Jonathan I. Shankman. On this podcast, we'll cover everything from investing, financial planning, retirement, and behavioral finance. I'll share advice and practical tips to help you make the most of your money. So whether you're just starting out or looking to take your finances to the next level, Jonathan on Money is here to help. Let's dive into this week's show. Welcome to today's episode. Wherever you are listening to this episode, I hope you're taking time off for yourself and having a wonderful summer. I find it helpful to remind myself on occasion that money is not a scorecard. It's a tool to achieve the life you want. So be sure to take some time with and use your hard-earned money this summer and use it for something that you enjoy and that enhances your life. It's well worth it. This week, we're going in focus where we explore more advanced wealth planning topics. Today, we're going to discuss using tax insurance to achieve tax certainty in estate planning and wealth management. By way of background, whether attorneys do, whenever attorneys do sophisticated tax and estate planning, there's always the risk that something won't work out as planned. This is where tax insurance comes into play. Today, our guest presenters will discuss four main areas. One, they'll provide an overview of tax insurance and explain what it is and how it works. Two, they will discuss how tax insurance is used in the wealth management and estate planning context. Three, they'll highlight recent developments in the tax insurance market. And four, they'll also describe the process for obtaining tax insurance. Today, we're privileged to hear from Daniel Berger and Michael Seda, both based in New York. Daniel is a senior vice president and head of tax insurance at Lockton. Before joining Lockton, Dan led tax insurance underwriting for AIG in North America. He previously worked as a tax director at Brookfield Asset Management and as an associate at Molis & Company, both in New York. Daniel began his tax career as an attorney at Proskauer Rose, where he advised on various transactional tax matters. Mike is head of tax insurance for the Berkshire Hathaway Transactional Liability Team and is based in New York. He provides bespoke coverage for a broad range of tax matters in the U.S. and around the globe. Prior to focusing on tax liability products, Mike spent time underwriting the related representation and warranties insurance products. Before that, he worked at PwC, where he oversaw tax due diligence, provided tax structuring advice for private equity and corporate clients on a variety of M&A and internal transactions. Today, Dan and Mike will be speaking on using tax insurance to achieve tax certainty in estate planning and wealth management. And with that introduction, I will now turn the program over to Dan and Mike. Thank you, and it's it's great to be here this morning. Um, I go way back with uh, Jonathan Shankman, and uh, I knew him actually before he was famous. Before, uh, and certainly great to see uh, him really all over uh, media, both social media and print. Uh, pretty incredible uh, what what you've what you've been building, and you know, really a, a pleasure and honor to uh, to be here this morning. Um, you know, what, what the topic we're going to discuss, uh, you know, is is you know, certainly is, uh, you know, maybe new for many people here, um, but at the same time, it's actually been a product that's been around for over 20 years. Um, It's grown exponentially uh, over the past five, and there's a variety of reasons for that, some of which we'll get into. Uh, But, you know, tax insurance, you know, um, is, is pretty incredible in terms of the different applications that it has specifically in the wealth planning and trust and estate uh, arena. Um, what, what we'll do is sort of we'll give an overview of the product, we'll talk about some, some market trends, we'll talk about the process of obtaining insurance, 
and also talk, you know, specifically about uh, particular circumstances where it's been used um, and where it could be applicable. So, um, you know, with that, we'll get started. Uh, I know we don't take questions, but to the extent that anyone does have questions, feel free to reach out to either Mike or myself afterwards. Um, so, so tax insurance is, is really uh, meant to provide coverage for any type of uncertain tax position. So to the extent that uh, a company, an individual gets advice from a tax advisor, whether it be an accounting firm or a law firm, uh, ultimately uh, a tax authority such as the IRS could disagree with, with uh, that tax position and the individual, uh, a company would still have to pay the tax and potentially interest and penalties as well. Uh, what tax insurance provides is a financial guarantee that in the event of a challenge that the clients could be made whole. Um, and, you know, the, the coverage is, is intended to be comprehensive in nature. Uh, Mike will talk about sort of the scope of loss, uh, but, but that's really sort of the essence of the product is, pro is providing that certainty. Uh, tax is a very uh, complex area. A lot of, uh, a, a lot of gray, gray areas, a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty. Um, and, in a very challenging environment, uh, where especially with regards to sort of complex tax structures, um, there's certainly no sort of black and white answers when it comes to tax. You know, when you ask a tax advisor a tax question, oftentimes people actually make fun of it. Tax advisors, and I was a tax lawyer myself uh, when I started my career, uh, that tax people always hedge, right, and give and give. Uh, uh, sort of qualified answers um, that are not straightforward. And it, it's, there, there's, there's certainly truth to that. And that's sort, sort of the reality. It's not really a tax person trying to be vague. It's really just sort of reflecting the reality of the tax law and the fact that there are ambiguities and uncertainties there. Um, so it's, especially in the context of situations where uh, there, there is uncertainty, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's not something advisors can sort of guarantee. Uh, that's not really the way their advice works. What, what tax insurance provides is that certainty. It provides, you know, that financial guarantee that in the event of a challenge from a tax authority, um, that, that there would be protection. Um, so that, that's sort of a very high, high level intro. Um, and maybe with that, I'll, I'll turn it over to Mike and he can talk more specifically about sort of what the product covers. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Dan. And uh, thank you, Jonathan, as well, for, for having us on. Um, certainly a topic that is near and dear to Dan and I's hearts and keeps us busy every day. So we definitely like to take a chance to, to talk about it and, and tell more people. Uh, so in terms of the scope of loss, uh, it's really meant to be a comprehensive solution. So it, it's intended to address all relevant costs in the event of, of a claim. Right, so certainly any taxes which are ultimately due, um, you know, that could be federal as well as state or local, uh, as well as any assessed penalties and interest. Um, where the policy, I think, really shines and offers even more of a benefit in terms of what it can address is certain ancillary costs such as defense or contest costs. So again, that's the expense, right, of dealing with the audit or challenge to the position. Um, you know, that's picked up by the policy. It also is, is worth noting that along with that, the insurer will often have their own counsel or advisors assisting in the, um, 
you know, instance of a claim. And that really adds to kind of the overall defense team and the ability to, you know, protect and stand by the position that's been taken. Um, <clears throat> it's, I should know that the, the taxpayer would still control the contest and make decisions, you know, with the ability to have the, the insurer involved and aware of what's going on. Um, but again, that, that costs both on the insured's advisors and the insurer's advisors are all picked up, you know, by the policy. Uh, there's also a gross up element. So to the extent that a loss is ultimately paid and is treated as taxable income, you know, in the hands of the insured when that payment is made, the policy, assuming it's sized correctly in terms of the, you know, amount of limits which are purchased, can also pay a gross up. Right. So really, the goal is to get the taxpayer back to where they would have been, you know, had this not occurred. And that goes to that, that comprehensive solution. Um, the policy also can often address any advanced tax payments. So, you know, in certain jurisdictions that may be necessary on the U.S., more common in order to, you know, contest or appeal. Right. The term pay to play often comes up, but uh, the policy is capable of doing that and will often make that decision in order to you know, mitigate potential um, interest or other costs that uh, might be associated with, with a claim. You know, that, that, that's exactly right, Mike. And, um, you know, it's interesting sort of mentioning that you can see sort of federal, state, non-US taxes covered, um, you know, even within sort of the federal tax world. Um, do, uh, do, you see, do you see coverage, not just let's say for income taxes, but for other taxes as well? Sure, sure. We've seen policies address any manner of taxes. So, you know, specialty or excise taxes, non-income or indirect taxes. Um, in this space, certainly we've seen um, an estate and gift tax, you know, coverage be available, uh, inheritance taxes, you know, and income taxes, it's worth noting, you know, or uh, other, you know, excise taxes as well, aren't just targeted for say individual taxpayers or just a business or an entity, you know, which has a, a filing return or takes, excuse me, a filing obligation or takes a certain position. Um, the policy can, you know, be available for any of those vehicles. So individuals, trusts, corporations or other entities as well are all, you know, viable insurers and depending on the scenario, you know, can take advantage of, of looking at a policy. Yeah, no, that that's great. Um, so, so maybe I'll I'll talk a little bit about some some market trends and some features uh, of of a tax insurance policy. Um, so, generally speaking, a a tax insurance policy um, is is for a seven to ten year term. So it's out there for seven to ten years, which is really intended to cover the full statute of limitations. Um, tax insurance is quite unique. You know, relative to other lines of insurance, which typically uh, renew on an annual basis, um, that's not the way our policies work. Uh, the the tax insurance is really paid for completely upfront. Uh, there's a one-time cost that's payable at the outset of the policy, and then again, it's out there for typically seven to ten years. Um, the general range in terms of pricing for a tax insurance policy is somewhere between two to 5% of the potential exposure. Um, that's, you know, uh, the, the general range, it could be wider than that. Uh, these policies are very bespoke and quite tailored to the nature of the underlying risk being insured. Um, 
you know, and, and that sort of gets to, you know, the types of positions that are, that, that can be covered by, by a tax insurance policy. So, uh, you know, tax insurance is really covering positions where there's a uh, uh, sort of a, a strong basis for the position as opposed to simply playing the audit lottery. Um, we generally are looking for something where there's at least a more likely than that level of comfort. <clears throat> um, that being said, there's, uh, I would say that actually probably the vast majority of the policies that we work on, there's actually not a, any type of tax opinion. Oftentimes there's, there is though some type of memo uh, written analysis from a law firm or an accounting firm that helps support the position and sort of provides the analysis and support for it. Um, I, I will, I do want to emphasize that, <coughs> excuse me, that tax insurance is not available for any type of abusive transactions. So, you know, think listed transactions, uh, most reportable transactions, a lost transactions is an exception. Uh, but, but, uh, for any type of really abusive tax shelters, uh, tax insurance is, is not available. Um, it's, it's really there to, to ensure, uh, you know, reasonable positions where, where there is support for it. Uh, again, as I mentioned, at least a more likely than not level of comfort. Um, in, in terms of market trends, uh, as I mentioned, you know, sort of tax insurance has been around for, for over 20 years. Um, over the past five, it's really grown exponentially. Um, and there's a variety of reasons for that. Part of that is um, there's a lot more insurers in the space now. When, when the <clears throat> product was really around for, for its first couple decades of existence, uh, there really, let's say, only about a handful of insurers who were willing to provide this type of coverage. And that uh, made the coverage pretty expensive just because there was a really a lack of competition. The appetite was also quite narrow. So there was really only appetite to cover, you know, uh, situations where there was a should level opinion, an actual opinion was required. Um, and, and that's changed uh, uh, and have certainly evolved over, over the past five years. Now there's 23 uh, plus carriers in the space and each of them have their own dedicated tax underwriter um, who, who uh, you know, with meaningful tax experience who can help that insurer uh, determine whether or not they're comfortable providing the insurance and if so, what the terms and conditions uh, should be. Um, and so, so that, that's certainly something that's, that's had a, a pretty meaningful impact on the product. And again, as the, you know, sort of the cost of the insurance has come down probably between 30 and 50% for certain risks uh, over the past five years, as, as it's become more uh, economical, um, again, that, that's also facilitated a lot more policies getting placed. So, you know, there's sort of a variety of factors that have contributed to that. Uh, including the rise of rep and warranty in the m and in the M&A space, um, you know, that has made the product a lot, a lot more popular. Um, so those, those are some of the market trends. Um, and maybe Mike, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of the process of obtaining insurance and, and who the players are? Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and I think one of the points that you made, Dan, in terms of kind of the um, advice being available is, is a good place to start. Right. So um you know, whatever format that advice takes, it's it's interesting because I think, you know, anytime you have a, a good position, you know, certainly as we said in the beginning, it's never with it 
without doubt. Um, you don't have a guarantee. But when you're comfortable that you've got a position that you want to take and there's advice being solicited, a strategy is being put together, um, when that planning process is going on, uh, especially whenever there's a high dollar value uh, or something is particularly complex or requires sort of a lot of moving pieces, those are, are opportunities that I think you know are potentially great candidates for the tax insurance product, right? And that advice that's being put together in, in whatever form is ultimately crucial to the process, right? So step one is, you know, when you are working on that, that planning, when you've got, um, ideally it's when you're working on the planning. Um, I should say it's not impossible to, to get the process started afterwards, um, but we would encourage people to come out sooner, you know, whenever possible to gather the information and, and see how, you know, the insurance product may fit. Um, so that first step is going to be uh, speaking to a broker. Certainly, Dan is is a great option. We would recommend you know taking the information to him. He's going to take a chance to vet that position, understand the facts, understand you know the insured's needs and goals and and what they're hoping to achieve. Uh, he'll then put that information together into a formal submission package. That submission is sent out to you know numerous markets. I think Dan mentioned the numbers up to. The 23, which always kind of blows my mind, but certainly good to know, um, you know, and see that growth, right? Those those underwriters that are available at the various carriers and, and you know, potential insurance representatives are going to review that submission package. Uh, they may have some questions from Dan, a little bit of back and forth, right? Ultimately, that will result in preparing um, quotes, and that'll give Dan a sense of where the pricing is and what different coverage is being offered. You know, certain insurers may take slightly different views and some of those approaches or quotes may be better suited to, you know, a given taxpayer's needs. Um, so working with Dan, the taxpayer would then select an insurer from those various quotes uh, and underwriting would, would begin. So the underwriting process in some ways is a bit like a due diligence process. Um, the underwriter will often have a number of additional document requests, perhaps some written follow-up questions. Uh, they'll often schedule an underwriting call to get a chance to go through the facts and the materials. Um, most underwriters, especially on a more highly uh, technical or complex you know, matter, will engage their own outside counsel just to assist in the underwriting and diligence process. So... Uh, once that call is held, typically we'd begin working on the policy form. So while it starts as a bit of a template and, you know, Dan and I or any number of, of carriers and brokers are going to have sort of, um, you know, template forms to start, it really is a very bespoke policy. Uh, it's a, you know, thoughtful policy contract that's going to be carefully negotiated and drafted to address the specific risk, the specific needs of the insured. And that process is going to involve, obviously, you know, the taxpayer, but also their advisors to assist. Uh, Dan or whoever is the broker on the, the policy is available to sort of add, add uh, input and advice. Um, someone like myself on the underwriting side is going to be, you know, making sure that um, the, the insurer's needs are met in the policy. Um, and once those you know, two sort of corresponding processes wrap up the, the underwriting and diligence along with the policy you know, form drafting. Uh, we're able to bind 
you know, a policy. And at that point, the, the insurance is available. Uh, the policy is on risk. The insured, the taxpayer is, is covered. And, you know, I think, Dan, at this point, it might be worth mentioning. I'll kind of kick it off and then, you know, feel free to add that, you know, the policy will spell out really clearly, you know, what um, a potential claim scenario is, how that would work. Um, so you really know in advance kind of how that would develop. Um, but the basic way to think about a claim on this policy is, you know, any involvement from a tax authority. So once you've got kind of a notice, uh, formal audit, when you've got that interaction that the covered position is, is ultimately coming under some kind of scrutiny, you know, from a tax authority, that's when, you know, a claim can be made and, and the policy is available. Um, and again, I think that's, it's worth noting that that's really spelled out nicely, um, you know, and pretty easy to follow in the policy contract. Yeah, that, that, that's right, Mike. Um, another thing I'll, I'll add in terms of the process, uh, I think, you know, you detailed it well in terms of what it entails. Um, from start to finish, we've done this as quickly as a week. We prefer to avoid those types of situations, but it, generally speaking, it's something that could take two to three weeks from start to finish. Um, but but our, our markets are accustomed to working on deal timelines, so uh, that there is some flexibility there, but ultimately it really just depends on the flow of information and how readily available it is. Um, in, ter in terms of sort of thinking about the, the types of issues that are covered by tax insurance, um, you know, the, the interesting thing is that, again, as, as I mentioned, for many years, tax insurance would really cover sort of very technical tax positions. One um, change over that's occurred more recently, which I think has made the product uh, better suited to being useful in the estate planning uh, arena is, is the fact that not only can, can the product cover sort of technical tax issues, but it could also cover valuation related risks as well. Um, and there, uh, you know, when you think sort of about valuation related risks, right, the loss could be measured in tax dollars, um, but the trigger for that loss may not be sort of a technical, uh, technical advice from a law firm or an accounting firm. It could be sort of whether a valuation from, uh, so let's say some type of valuation, third-party valuation firm would be respected by the IRS. Um, and that's obviously something, something that's pretty critical um, in, in for, for, for wealth planning uh, in the trust and estate space. Um, and be, because of the flexibility of the product to be able to cover valuation-related risks as well, I think that's something that uh, I think has driven the growth of, of the use of the product uh, specifically here. Um, you know, just to sort of break down where we see tax insurance used, I think there's really sort of three broad buckets of risks that we see covered. Um, one relates to uh, sort of the M&A space in the, in, with regards to mergers and acquisitions when anything that's sort of identified during the diligence process that a buyer performs when it's looking at, at a seller, uh, when it's looking, sorry, at, at acquiring a target from a seller. Um, you know, there you could see coverage for either any issues identified during diligence or the tax consequences associated with the transaction itself. Um, the second uh, bucket of risks I would say relates to tax credits. So certainly anything, um, you know, relating to renewable energy tax credits uh, and other types of tax attributes that, that, that may be uh, available. Um, 
And then I think the third bucket, um, you know, really relates to sort of just protecting one's own balance sheet, right? And that could be the context of a company, um, either looking to protect its own balance sheet or individuals, right? And, and certainly we see that in the trust and estate, um, in the trust and estate area, where again, just, you know, individuals, families that utilize complex um, uh, wealth planning techniques, which are intended to potentially save meaningfully uh, meaningful amounts of money uh, in terms of taxes, uh, that there are some risks associated with some of those strategies. Um, and obviously there are certain ways to mitigate that risk and getting good advice from a tax advisor is a minimum, uh, at, a, at a minimum is, is required um, and certainly needed in order to be able to even consider insurance. Uh, but but certainly beyond getting advice in order to really achieve that certainty, tax insurance is, is one way to do that. And Mike, I don't know if, if, if maybe you want to mention, uh, you know, a couple of specific areas where you've seen it used in the, uh, in this area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the first thing I think I, I'd like to say just to, to show the, the breadth and the, um, you know, flexibility of the product is that a single policy can, in theory, address more than one covered tax position or position which has been taken. Typically that's, you know, assuming it all revolves around say the same, you know, transaction, same planning. Um, you know, there can also be multiple policies around a single set of facts. If you've got other insureds, you know, different folks, different people in the process who might need coverage for slightly different issues. So again, just wanna, you know, um, reiterate that, that flexibility. Um, in the trust and estate space, we often see a lot of business transition planning Right, so um, you know certain freeze transactions, certain you know large liquidation events for um, closely held businesses are often paired right with um, you know other trust or long-term wealth planning. You know for maybe the beneficiaries for other family members. Um, so certainly there's a lot of ways to achieve those different goals. Uh, you know, and the facts are going to be a bit different each time, um, but that's very common. I know Dan mentioned, uh, you know, M&A transactions, which is not necessarily the focus here, but often a lot of those closely held businesses are going to be in the form of an S corporation, um, you know, which raise a lot of diligence issues, uh, maybe not often a high risk in the eyes of the seller, but buyers are often unwilling to uh, take on that risk. So, you know, that's a very common use of, you know, the policy. Um, certainly, as Dan mentioned, you know, valuation often factors into it. And so coverage for aspects of valuation that support a position, um, you know, can be addressed um, as well. And then, you know, sometimes there's changes in beneficiaries, there are changes in circumstances, there are, um, you know, just changes in family planning that necessitate uh, making adjustments to sometimes longstanding you know, existing trusts. Um, one example too there, I think, is we see when when certain trusts or uh, different vehicles are wound up, you know, there's often a question of, is there any lingering liability, right? There's an important fiduciary duty that's involved in uh, not only administering, but certainly the closing down or wrapping up of any of these types of, you know, structures and planning that's in place. So a policy could be a good way to ensure that you know, a specific trustee or that the, um, you know, structure or plan that was in place in general is not challenged later, you know, certainly when there may 
have been a full distribution of any of the, the underlying assets. Um, one other topic, Dan, I'm not sure if we hit on it. I apologize if you, you mentioned it. Um, typically, we see these policies start um, around $5 million in limits for size. That's certainly a flexible number. And um, in many cases, it's not quite as large as it sounds, you know, because as we spoke about, it can address a number of items of loss. So once you've, you know, kind of put all that together and, um, you know, realize how many different um, ways in which the policy can sort of, you know, address or redress uh, a loss, you know, and make somebody whole, um, you know, we see the numbers creep up quite a bit from there as well. Dan, I think your mic may be muted. Danny, you're muted. All right, so, so maybe just to uh, add a couple of quick um, examples of where we see the insurance used in the space, certainly um, with regards to defined savings clauses, uh, sort of uh, trust planning sales to grantor trusts, um, state of Powell issues, uh, gift taxes, um, you know, freeze partnerships. I, I think those are sort of all, you know, examples of where, where, we've, where we've seen um, the insurance be quite useful for, for clients. Um, and I know we're sort of uh, reaching the end here of, of, of the webinar, but just wanted to sort of just take the opportunity again to, to thank, thank you all for joining. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Shankman, for having me, me on, having Mike on. Um, you know, this, it, it was great to be able to, to join you. Um, and certainly to the extent that you have any questions, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. I know that uh, I believe our, our contact information will be circulated. This concludes today's episode. Thank you to Danny and Mike for sharing information on this relatively new and developing area in wealth management. One of the important takeaways for me is that the wealth management landscape is constantly evolving. If you are, aren't constantly learning about new strategies in the field, your knowledge will become antiquated. One of the main focuses of my podcast is not only to educate the general public about personal finance, but to also educate the professionals that serve them. So if you're a financial advisor, attorney, accountant, or any other practitioner in the field, let me know what topics you'd like me to cover, and I'll do my best to do so. And with that, it's a wrap for this week's show. Any comments or questions, feel free to reach out directly to me via email. I love hearing from my listeners. And finally, as I end every episode, the secret to financial success is no secret at all. It's to spend less than you make, invest the difference prudently, and ignore all the noise. See you next time on Shankman on Money. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I hope you were able to take away a nugget or two to apply to your own life. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can be alerted whenever new episodes drop. If you'd like to submit a question that may be answered in a future show, please email me at jonathan at parkbridgewealth.com. Be sure to check out all Jonathan on Money content, including all of my articles, webinars, and videos by following me at Jonathan on Money on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Finally, if you like what you heard today, please rate the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps ensure that other personal finance enthusiasts can find the show as well. Thank you and catch you on the next episode of Jonathan on Money.